Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Veth. And as always, I'm joined by Andrew Flynn all the way over in Siberia. Andrew, we were just talking about passports, citizenships. Um, yeah. How fully blown Russian are you these days? I'm just, you know, just, I'm just thinking about that. Well, I, I would say one measure is that I actually think it's a worthwhile thing to watch lower league Russian football. That's about as Russian as you can get, I guess. Not many other people want it. Um, but uh, let's just say, even with the madness we're about to discuss on every level, I still consider this country slightly less crazy than, than England. So let's, uh, let's leave it at that, I think. <laughs> I, I'm baffled by that statement. Absolutely baffled. I mean... You have a very rational new prime minister in England. <laughs> I'm amazed you managed to keep a, well, in audio terms, a straight face for more than a second or two seconds saying that. But, um, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll put him as, um, uh, managing director of Spartak Moscow and it will become a much more logical enterprise. What a transition, huh? Weather transition. Brilliant. <laughs> Hi, Tim. How are you doing? <laughs> Tim Bokker, everyone. Of course, probably the, Biggest Spartak fan living outside of Russia, a full Russian, um, who's probably listening to Andrew saying, well, oh, Russia is a better, a better place to live than the UK with, with some kind of amusement. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, but Andrew, we don't need a crazy person to manage our club. We already have one. So thank you so much. You can keep your <laughs> prime minister to, to your country. <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, Prime Minister Fedun, that has a nice ring to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing doing great. Um, wow, interesting. Like, I, I love the Andrew's passion uh, for Russia. This is this is great. Uh, I like this. But um, yeah, if you compare the level of life in Tumen and London, I guess Tumen comes ahead. Oh, I'm never been to Tumen. I've lived in London. And I, ha people always ask me, do I miss it? Not very much, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, you know who is in London, guys? Oh, nice. <laughs> you know who is hanging out there? Andre Arshavin. I think he's doing some sort of documentary, if I saw this right. Um, I saw a tweet out of context on the out of context, uh, Russian football Twitter. Um, 
which is, by the way, a fantastic Twitter to follow. It's probably one of the best ones out there. And he's almost gotten hit by right. one of those famous red buses, Andrew. Um, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, he nearly did. I mean, why well, I actually quite like what a lot of Russian football coverage is doing of late the last, I'd say, couple of years or so. They've stepped up their coverage of English football, but not just by covering the league, but actually going there in person, showing their own experiences of it. And they, he was over to cover the Charity Shield, um, and they spoke to Alexander Zinchenko as well, um, and just doing a bit of stuff on the street. He was actually outside the Sherlock Holmes Museum at the time, so he was looking at the building from his back to the street. Um, and bus drivers, you know, we talked about differences between countries, and of course there are many, whichever countries we talk about, but bus drivers are the same in every country in the world. They just do not care about anybody else but themselves. Um, and the bus driver came airing down at the rate of knots and missed, um, Mr. Varshavin by about six inches. Um, he seemed okay at the time, but I'm sure he was fairly angry afterwards. It's, it's a close call. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, just wanted to add for, for the listeners of, uh, for the English listeners who know Andrea Shavin as he, you know, as a player who, who played in England. He is fantastic. I love him. Uh, the way he just does the coverage, he commentates on the game, his opinion on football. You can see that the player is total professional. He knows the game inside and out and all his opinions are so, like, direct and, like, he talks, uh, for example, to journalists. They, like, sit in on TV in front, in a group of other journalists and they talk in something, some poetry, some, you know, I, I like, that's Russian saying, um, well, poetry means like they talk in so much big picture too much and then Andrea Shavin has his opinion which just nails everything on 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 like, it's just amazing i love hearing him talk about football and his opinions are so like direct precise no water and like i just love the guy and uh, now he and Vladimir Bostrov who also used to play for Zenit Krasnodar and Spartak he is also another person who is on tv and it's really interesting to hear to hear them speak because you know, the experience of playing at on every level of Russian football really comes across very well. And Arshavin has been just fantastic pundit. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, Russians being tourists in, uh, in the UK, what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> Actually, you know, you know, you mentioned, um, Tim, seriously, you mentioned about Arshavin being a good commentator. Um, I bumped into him at the Europa League final and, he was there with Timur Jiraviel, and uh, Timur speaks uh, fluent English, and I've, I've met him a couple of times before. But he's done a lot of commentary. He's not possibly the the absolute first choice commentator for Match TV, but he is one of their their regulars. He's a you know he's, that's his job. And Arshavin just said deadly seriously, absolute deadpan seriously. I'm a five, a five out of five commentator. Timur's only a two. He's a five <laughs> out of five reporter, but he's only a two out of five commentator. But he he wasn't. He was sort of. He wasn't joking. He wasn't trying to be rude, but he was just being, like you said, direct and to the point. And that's that's um, how it is, exactly. Like this sounds very familiar because honestly, everyone knows that Timur Juravel, who is a decent commentator, but he's not top class. He's a very good journalist, and he is a very good in terms of discovering the stories and showing the story. But in terms of the actual commentation, he's not. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Andrea Shaman. This is exactly how he is. This is great story, Andrew. <laughs> Um, speaking of being direct and motivational, um, Tim, Roman Sharonov, what happened there? 
Well, Roman Sharonov is the new coach of Rubin Kazan, and he has been working with the youth team before. He used to be the captain of uh, Kurban Berdeev's club, and this season Kurban Berdeev uh, left uh, Rubin. Right now, Kurban Berdeev is out of work, and uh, the um, Rubin, you know, the management they, they decided to go with Roman Sharonov, who is fairly young and inexperienced coach, but he. Like I said, he was coaching the youth team and he, he made some success there. So he got his chance. And really, like, it's, it became a very interesting story and probably the, one of the most dominating stories in Russian press, uh, surrounding Russian Premier League. Uh, Roman Sharonov really decided to go uh, and change the style. And this is kind of like the message from the management. Uh, so let's play a little bit more attacking football and, you know, aggressive game uh, with pressing and all that. And, um, he also, um, uh, Rubin said he started playing way more attractively, but he also started doing those uh, motivational speeches, uh, which uh, the club would film and, um, you know, post uh, on their uh, social media, which is in the past absolutely unheard of. With Kurban Berdiev, um, Rubin was the most closest, uh, you know, the most closed club in Russia because you can really cannot get any information out of them because Kurban Berdiev really protected his privacy and privacy on the team. On, on the team. But Roman Sharanov, every game they filming those motivational speeches before the game, after the game. One of his uh, big ones was uh, Roman Sharanov. Is, he's known to be the big fan of metal and he purchased um, a ticket to go to Luzhniki to Moscow to um, to watch uh, Metallica play because Metallica recently played in Russia. He's a big fan of Metallica. And he said that... Um, but he couldn't go because Rubin had a game that, that night. And he said, I had the ticket to go to see Metallica, but what I saw on the field today was way, way better. Thank you for that. And like everyone claps. And he does those motivational speeches. And it's a really interesting story. Like, you know, uh, it's a completely, complete switch, like 180 degrees switch from a super close Kurban Berdiev. And we all know how he really likes to protect and play defensively to a coach who really, who like uploads video from the, uh, you know, from the dressing room before and after games and, you know, plays different type of football. And that really resulted the most important in the attendance. The last game was attended by 20,000 people. Last year, two, 3,000 went to see Rubin. So fans love it. Uh, you can see the higher attendance and it's definitely a good media idea which comes from Rubin uh, Kazan. We will see how that works out, but definitely it's an interesting start. Yeah, a bit of a generation switch then, hey? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, Rubin kind of needed a little bit of um, fresh blood. Um, Kumbedev, wonder how long he's going to be unemployed. Um, I reckon the first club that's going to fire a coach is probably going to hire him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm reckoning it's going to be either Dynamo or Sochi, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be so cheap. It's just my personal opinion because, you know, we all, we all kind of like hanging out on the beach. Um, <laughs> that's just how it is. Uh, right, Andrew? The, we both had some very good times down there on the, uh, Russian Riviera, as it's called. Um, speaking of hanging out down there in the, in the, in the Russian South, um, bit of a story that has emerged, um, this week. With uh, Gazayev, the former head coach of Alanya Vladikavkaz. Of course, those who don't remember Alanya Vladikavkaz, they were the only team to win the, the only other team than Spartak to win the Russian championship in the 1990s. And uh, Alanya Vladikavkaz, of course, located close to the, the Georgian border. Um, I don't even know where they are right now, Andrew. 
you all know league Russian football expert. Um, they're quite low down there, aren't they? And there's the, the story, of course, is that they played in the second division back in 2011. Um, and then there was, there was problems financially and they just, um, Gazayev just couldn't get the club back on track. Yeah. Um, actually, it's a very good topic to pick because it's his, it's his birthday today. Um, oh. but, um, but yeah, Mr. Happy birthday, Mr. Gazayev. Um, He's a very interesting character in Russian football, I, I would say, because, I mean, obviously we know his success you mentioned there. And of course, with Tesca winning the, uh, well, UEFA Cup as it was then. And he made a lot of comments in the last, about five years ago about the organization of the Russian league structure. And he was explaining how a lot of what we've talked about in the past on the Football Red Network about needing to well, effectively be stricter with the licenses, but also limit the number of professional clubs because he believes there are too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the comments he's come out with recently about Alania are, are very interesting because one of the problems that we've discussed before, uh, with clubs coming across from the Soviet era into the Russian Federation era, if you like, is the model of state support, state ownership even. Um, and he mentions that around that time, when he came in, what, eight, nine years ago, whenever it was, um, Alania actually finally found a private sponsor um, who paid off the debts and there was still about $20, $30 million left over. Um, and everything looked good. They had a plan to build up youth from the local area, um, you know, redevelop the stadium. But they they just they fell away. I mean, it's it's quite... It's quite unnerving, I find, because I've always pushed for more private ownership in Russian football. I believe it's a better overall concept. And yet here we've got an example, classic example of a club breaking away from the uh, state sponsorship model, um, and it fell flat in their face. And they played, I remember them coming to the Geolog in 2013 when they were on their way out of the Feniel. That was the season, I think, in fact, when... They, um, uh, they took voluntary relegation and, uh, they, well, they, they, they fell apart. Um, they, they have that history that people will be fond of. And I, I don't think nobody wants to see a club go out of existence or go bankrupt or be forced to go all the way down the leagues. Um, we've seen with Angie, uh, this season, of course, they've gone down to, um, the PFL. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite scary. They are, they are still around. They are still in existence, um, in the, in the PFL South division. Um, but they're just another club at that level now. Um, and this is a former champion of this country. Um, so it's quite a sobering story that's, that's come about. And, and particularly with Gazai's comments recently that the, the money, the money was there initially. Um, but the lack of success meant it was, it, it ran out so quickly. So, um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a, it's quite a sad story, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I always had a really fond, uh, you know, place in my heart for, for Alani of Ladi Kafkas, the snow leopards, of course, right? Um, maybe one day they'll come back. Um, speaking of sobering stories, Tim, Arsenal Tula in the Europa League. That didn't, that didn't quite work out. Um, you kind of hinted at this, this, this might happen because, you know, the smaller clubs get making it in the Europa League and then just like crashing out in the earlier stages. Um, your thoughts on them going out? 
Well, yeah, it's it's a sad story because really, like, you know, we've had uh, teams and like uh, league group stage, but uh, pretty much the team was absolutely not ready for for the European challenge. Lost to NFT over over two games, uh, zero or four. So as a result, of the they were not uh, for the European challenge. And NFT is also the world leaders. They're a good team, but it's also you know not not the team from top five leagues. So what happened is really it seems like Arsenal too like they lost all their um um strikers uh, well not strikers all the attacking players who they finished uh, last year uh, Bakayev and Mirzov went to Spartak and Georgevich is right now with Zenit and he is linked to uh, maybe even Lokomotiv or some other club so but pretty much attacking players left the club and really the club didn't manage to replace them. And to get you know the the whole the whole thing working uh, for them, so you know so you're fighting really to get to Europa League, uh, then you lose your players and you don't replace them, or you don't replace it in a timely manner uh, with the players of the same quality. So then you crash out of the Europa League. So what was this all about? Like, well, why did you really work so so hard to really not to be ready um, for 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 the Europe when it starts? So it's not very it's. Yeah, not very exciting news because really we could have had uh, more teams um, in, in the group stage and also for the coefficient. It's not the Arsenal tool is out of the Europa League and pretty much without any fight. Um, zero four to Nefchi. That's not. Yeah, no, not a good result at all. I'm, I'm just looking at who they signed um, in the transfer window this year, and you know if you only spend three and a half million after you know. You, you, you lose some significant players. Um, it's just not good enough, right? And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sad. Um, because like, yeah, as he said, Nefchi Baku, not exactly the world beaters either, right? Um, this was open. Yeah. So this would have been one, I think, where, where we all thought they would go through the next round. I know, Andrew, you did the previews on this, on this particular matchup. And, um, yeah. I think, Sides from Azerbaijan are doing better and better, but Nefchi are not one of the top two teams from Azerbaijan. So this is, would have been one where you would say, okay, maybe they get through here. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's really disappointing, but I think we all know deep down, we know Arsenal Tula weren't, like you mentioned, quite ready to compete in the group stage. They, if they got a lucky draw, you never know, of course, but it just, you look at that, like you mentioned, that spine of their team, the attacking spine just completely ripped out of their squad completely from loans expiring. Um, and you know, they, they will be fine. They will survive in the Premier League and they might have another shot at Europe in another two or three years. They've got some good young players coming in, but it, they effectively have to build a new team. So, um, it's, it's a shame, but you've got to remember as well, Nefti Baku, not a great side perhaps, but they do have at least experience of European qualification and also also that their league system hasn't started yet so they've had time to prepare and get themselves ready specifically for this game so there's a few little factors but in the end it's I don't like saying it but it's probably for the best yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence on this like because you always wonder right is it better for you if you're not already in league play or is it better that you are I know for German teams um, this stage of the Europa League can always be very difficult because they, they're still preparing for the league, right? And at the same time have to, uh, tingle around these smaller European countries. And 
um, play against um, wonderful oppositions like FC Flora Tallinn or FC Vaduz and um, walk that fine line between getting ready for the season and still like signing players and at the same time also having to qualify for a European competition. Um, I'm not sure if it's actually better for you. You're already in the season or if you know this is actually an opportunity for smaller clubs from smaller countries to get one over um, one of the big sides that are still kind of like trying to get their footing in a season it's um, yeah it's a, it's a difficult one um speaking of difficult maximilian philip still having a difficult time finding any options in germany um it looks like that deal is inching closer and closer to dinamo moscow from what i'm hearing um to, to give you an idea on transfer market the probability has gone up to 61% um, boys, we have a 61% chance of seeing another German player in the Russian Premier League. Tim, what do you think about that? Well, it's exciting because he obviously, um, well, great player. Um, and we'll talk about another German who just uh, had his debut last week um, in Russian Premier League. But Maxim Philip is definitely um Last player for, uh, for the Premier League. I'm excited to see him. Um, and, uh, should be a very big improvement for, uh, for Dynamo because I watched them play against Spartak, uh, this, um, this coming, well, last weekend. And, um, yeah, I'm sure, like, the you know, position of the top striker is, is they need to, to, to prove, like, to this fucking player because they had, for example, Kiel Panchinka who made 12 shots. Uh, two on target, uh, really 12 shots and there was no goal and nothing really, um, happened. And then also the player, Shea Dive, who plays right now, the striker, also didn't really impress that much. Uh, so maybe, um, you know, in a, a, a player with a Bundesliga and European experience will definitely increase the level for Dynamo Moscow. So I'm excited. I'm not sure about the price tag, 20 million, like, it sounds at the same time a lot, but maybe, you know, with English prices, not so much. For Russian club, it's a lot. So, not sure if this is, you know, the price tag, but if they're not spending my money, so good luck to them. Yeah, 20 million is, is the right price track, Tim. That's, phew, that's a lot of money for a Russian club. But I guess that's how much it's going to yeah. take for Borussia Dortmund to release the player. I know some German teams have said, no, we're not going to pay that much. So I guess that's why Dynamo Moscow is, is such a viable option at the moment. Um, yeah, really curious to see. I'm, I'm just curious if there's, if, if this 20 million could have been spent better or like mm. by, let's say, two players at 10 million and, you know, getting maybe even more quality than just one Maximilian Philip. Uh, maybe not going for the top, top player, but going just for the, you know, two or maybe even three players who will improve the squad. Oh, that kind of my questions. And that's nothing to do with Maximilian Philip, but just really how you see if you have those 20 million to spend, and you really need to spend another player. Maybe buying a few players at 7 millions, uh, will improve your team more. That's just my opinion, but you know, yeah. Money. yeah, it's a fair point. Um, very fair point. Yeah. I guess we'll see, um, how Dynamo's transfer policy is going to work out. Andrew, I'm, I assume you put this on the document. Fedor Chalov to Palace. Um, the <laughs> transfer window closes tomorrow in England. And then that will be yeah. that. Wait. It's, um, I, it, it had to be, we had to include it just because it's, we need a good giggle, don't we? We need a good laugh sometimes. Um, I, I think there is, I think this, the reason I put, I, I consider this an interesting topic for us to discuss briefly. 
is I think it says more about the the lack of attention that the Russian league gets from other countries, perhaps a snobbishness even. I think a lot of countries look at Russian league and think, oh well it's a it's a poor league in standard and, and money, so we can we can basically lowball them for a price. I mean fourteen million pounds for Fyodor Chalov, top goal scorer um of the Russian Premier League last season. Really young. He's got a whole future ahead of him for his club and country. Um why on earth would Tiska even consider selling him for any price, yet alone for 14 million. Um, Crystal Palace are likely to lose their star player, Wilfried Zahar. He's not in the same position. He's a, he's a winger, really, but he's effectively their main goal threat. Um, and they haven't had a, a solid strike for a long time. So it makes sense for them to want him. But, um, Crystal Palace would be, a, it would be a poor move for Chava because they're, uh, they're never going to be anything more than a mid to lower table Premier League side. Um, and I don't think they're even a good stepping stone side because they, they don't tend to move players onto bigger clubs very quickly to keep them for a long time. So, um, yeah, utterly ridiculous bid. And mm. thankfully, Tisca didn't entertain it in the slightest. Um, although just one little thing I would like to add that I haven't added on our little notes. Um, talking about Tisca, uh, and having mentioned Roman Sharanov at the game, the Rubin Kazan, um, Tisca game, was the Manchester United scouts in Russia. Mm-hmm. And he was said to be watching Fyodor Chalov and was asked after the game, so what do you think of Chalov? And he said, you know, of course they have to be tight-lipped. They can't give too much away. But he did say, well, I admire him as a player. I think he's I think he's very good. Um, Manchester United won't sign him this transfer window, obviously. But it's, it's curious that he was there. Um, and it was supposedly to see Chalov. So... Who knows? We might see Chalof in the English Premier League in the next year or two, but uh, right now it's it's too soon, I think. Yeah, um, I'm I'm curious that Manchester United have a scout in Russia, but don't have anyone to pick up Romelu Lukaku from training in Anderlecht. But um, well, I, I think their hope is that uh, a Chalof for Lukaku would be a would be a fabulous um, fabulous swap. Uh, oh, don't don't get me started on that man. It could be a very deep rabbit hole we'll go down if you. If you get me onto the management, okay. Yeah, then we're gonna move quickly on. Um, let's, uh, let's get, <laughs> going then over the results of the Russian Premier League uh, before we talk about any more uh, stadium attendances and give away everything. Um, start with your side, Andrew. Ural Rostov two two, mm. Samara yeah. one, Lokomotiv two, Spartak zero zero against Dynamo Moscow in the oldest Russian derby. Mm. Zenit won, Krasnodar won. Um, thankfully, no one went to Moscow afterwards to smash a restaurant, so that's good news. At least I haven't heard anything. <laughs> Kambov 0, Tula 1. Ruben 0, CSKA 1. Motivational speeches or not, big attendance or not, CSKA got the job done. Sochi 0, 0 against Ufa and Grozny 2, 1 against Orenburg. Um, I have another topic first, but I'm actually going to move that down, and Andrew, start with your side, Ural, 2-2 against Rostov. Um, Tim, yesterday in the our WhatsApp chat, said like that's a very good result for Ural. Do you see it that way too? Um, you know, I, I'm 50-50. I don't, I don't mean to sit on the fence, but I, I think Ural need to start expecting results um, where they beat teams like Rostov are on brilliant form this season so far. They're unbeaten. 
um, their top goal scorers so far, um, and they've got a striker who's in form. Eldor Shomorodov scored again, another great finish. Um, but Oral were twice in the lead, and yet again, it's the same old problem of an, an unreliable defence. So terrible marking for the uh, the last equaliser five minutes from the end. Um, uh, Sigurd Arsene's left in acres of space in the six-yard box and 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 finished fairly easily. So. Before the game, you'd say, well, a point is not bad against one of the most informed sides in this early part of the season. But, I mean, it, it's, there's no disrespect to Rostov, but they aren't going to finish in the top five. And if Ural can't beat a team that won't finish in the top five at home, then Ural are never going to go anywhere. They're just going to be stuck in mid-table. Um, and they are famously run by a, a president, Grigory Ivanov, who is not happy to just avoid relegation. He specifically stated regularly he wants to qualify for Europe. So I, I think on balance, I'm mildly disappointed. I know it's him saying about it being a good result because on paper it is, but um, I don't know. It's it's at home and it's twice we were pegged back. So it's, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. You know, Andrew, you're only three points behind first place. Well, our rightful place was stolen from us by Zanit um, after two game weeks. We were in our rightful place at the top of the table. Oh, okay. You're right; it is only three points behind, so there's there's time to win it back. Uh, it's, it's Andrew. Uh, just a follow up question to sorry, sorry, uh, follow up question to you. I heard lots of news about Merkulov potentially leaving. Uh, he was linked to Spartak, but uh, we purchased another player mm. for this position. But also, he was linked to a couple of the other clubs. Do you have any information on that? Well, the the last I heard was an interview he gave to the, the club's official press office and they put it on the website. And he said he was aware of interest, but he said, I've been here for four years. I've really grown here. And he was talking about feeling a valued part of the group. And he, he didn't explicitly say one way or the other, I definitely am staying, I'm definitely going. But he he was, the, the whole mood of what he was saying was, He's part of something that he still wants to see through. I think. I think he will. I think he will stay uh, until Odal's make that step up, as in actually qualify for Europe or get above mid-table, should we say, at the very least. Um, and I think it would be the sensible thing to do because he's a very valued member of the side. He's still getting recognition. You know, he was called up to one of the preliminary squads for Russia uh, a few months ago even though Stanislav Chichesov admitted he wouldn't know what he looks like if he walked down the street, but he still was called up to a preliminary squad. Um, he's getting recognition. Ural are an exciting attacking side. Um, and if he went to a bigger club and found his opportunities limited, it would be it, it would be a shame to stall his career at that stage. So I think he's probably making the right decision. But um, in terms of concrete news, um, there isn't any to speak of as of yet. But he is aware of interest. Um, but for the time being, he's happy to stay. Andrew, out of curiosity, what do you think it would take for Ural to make that step from a team that's consistently finishing in the mid-table, you know, never really in relegation mm. trouble, to a team that can actually finish in that European, you know, the top six, isn't it? Um, what does it? What will it take, in your opinion, to to make that step? Because I mean, they have been a mid-table side ever since the two of us have been working together, which is, I mean, we're looking mm. at the last six years or so, right? It's a, you know, that's a very good question, actually, because, I mean, one simple answer is money, in a way, I guess. 
But actually, I'm going to flip that round. I'm going to say it's going to take qualifying for Europe to make a step up to a side that can regularly do it. And it's been agonizing to see Oral make the final of the Russian Cup two year, twice in the last three years, lose both times to Lokomotiv. Um, and I, I think a, a defender is, well, two defenders is essential, two centre backs. Stefan Strandberg on loan at the beginning of this calendar year, if he had stayed permanently and they signed one more defender, so at least there was dependency at the back. Um, the scouting is very good. Picked up two Polish players, one from the second tier. Um, Rafael Agostiniak has been absolutely immense in midfield. The wingers are, are really exciting. The strikers are not flashy, but they have good finishing. Um, we've got Ilian and Panyukov who are quite young still. So to make that step up in terms of on the pitch, two defenders. Um, but it's not an easy sell for foreigners to say, look, come all the way out to your Katowice. At the moment, it's the easternmost club based in the, in the Premier League. Um, so I think recognition of already getting into Europe, um, uh, through the cup, most likely, is probably the, the only way. Um, so I guess it's, uh, well, seeing before they believe. It's kind of like that, what was prefers the chicken or the egg, right? Do you have to get into Europe first yeah, in order to stay exactly. in Europe? Or like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a difficult one. Some, some clubs linger in that area for a long time before they finally, you know, make, make that breakthrough. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm really curious. I mean, as I said, we've been doing this part for a long time. We've been riding together for a long time. And, um, it feels like Ural has been forever and eternally. Um, <laughs> stuck at the same place. And you're right. It's a team with a lot of potential. World Cup stadium, big city. Um, there's a lot of positives going on. And maybe think it would be the, the yeah. furthest East Russian club to make it into, um, Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we, uh, Sibir were a few years that's ago. Right. Um, yeah. 10, 12 years ago, I think. Ooh. But I mean, <laughs> going over Sibir. That's true. There. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it will take, it will take a lot. Mm. But ironically, we've been very close a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the last two or three seasons. We've been very close a few times. So I think it's, uh, going to take a bit of luck, but it's, um, it's going to happen at one point. You know, speaking of what should happen at one point is Western media reporting incidents in that happen in Russia correctly. Um, I feel like that's another common theme that we've been going through ever since we've done this part, ever since we've started writing about the area. Um, Zenit St. Petersburg in the news once again, and I'm going to open the floor up for both of you, uh, Tim and Andrew about a racism incident. Now, before I open up the floor, I have to explicitly state that Zenit fans are not innocent here. They are by no means a nice bunch when it comes to tolerance and acceptance of foreign players. Um, I think the first time I had Saul Pope write something for Football Grad, for example, was when they published that famous letter um, after they signed Hulk and Witzel. That was all the way back in whew, 2012. Wow. Uh, no, 2013. Sorry. Um, but... The Malcolm incident. Andrew, I'm going to go with you first. Tim, of course, whenever you feel like, step in, add your, your information, your pieces of thoughts on this. But 
yes, the, the banner was problematic, Andrew, right? Because it talks about tradition, etc. But the mm-hmm. actual racism, as it was reported in the West, not quite so clear cut forward. Well, yeah, I mean, it's normally I, I steer clear of engaging these sorts of debates when they, yeah, inevitably happen with annoying frequency because there's just so, it's such hard work to change people's perspective. Um, they see a headline and that's it. They believe it. They don't listen. They don't make the effort to do their own due diligence to actually go behind the headline and find out what did it actually happen. So, I mean, very long story short, you mentioned the banner. Um, Lance Crona fan group put up a banner saying, thank you, leadership, for respecting our tradition. And um, there are a number of things I think you mentioned, Zanit, fans are not innocent. And I certainly agree with that. The, the, the fan Lance Crona in particular, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, their name is a, is a hint. The, the name for second where St. Petersburg was before it was founded as a city. They are obsessed with their local tradition. Um, and when they say traditions, they, in that letter you mentioned that Salpoke wrote about a few years ago, they specifically said, we want only players that represent our local area or at the very least our culture. We don't want black or gay players. And there's no, nobody can possibly paint that in any way other than outright racism, because it is. That's specifically what it is. Um, however, the banner did not say, we do not want any black players to play for the club explicitly on the banner. And that's what was reported by a lot of clickbait media. And that's part of the problem. They simply fabricated out of thin air something that just wasn't there. Now, another part of the problem for me is the club themselves. They, they again were quite slow to put out a statement on a controversial issue, just as they were after, um, Mr. Kokorin's, uh, escapades a year ago, should we say. Um, and when they put out the statement, they were very indignant and they said the banner only said respecting the tradition of signing big players. They were trying to pretend that the traditions referred to were, we're a big club. We want the best players as if they were genuinely just saying thank you for signing Malcolm. Now, we know that that's not the case. We know the traditions they're referring to are their own versions of tradition, which is mm-hmm. a very distasteful and, and racist version. Um, there, a lot of the reports were also saying there was racist chanting, and there was even within within minutes of the game finishing, there were reports put out by Spanish-speaking media and, and Brazilian media saying, Zanit might sell Malcolm in January because of racism. I mean, it's just, it's utter hysteria. It's, it's craziness. Um, there, there wasn't any racist chanting. The fans cheered when he came on. And I mean, he, this is a really good player. This is a record equaling player for the Russian league. Um, and much as some Zanit fans are not enlightened, shall we say, towards players of other race, the vast majority love having star names at the club because that's what they're used to. Um, so it was frustrating to see this whole, I mean, it, it wasn't an incident, but it was created into one by hideously irresponsible reporting. Um, but also, like you mentioned, the club themselves didn't help. They could have put out a much clearer statement saying, we don't endorse, we strongly condemn any suggestion of what the traditions were really being referred to. They could have said that, um, but they took the easy route out by not 
um, criticizing their own fan group. So there's a lot of blame to go around here, basically. But what I would say, the most importantly, that the reporting was just completely fabricated and very, very unhelpful in the battle we all fight to report honestly and clearly. Tim, do you think Sinead maybe missed the beat here? Like a, a real opportunity to, to step forward and say, we condemn the banner. Um, and really also an opportunity to clear up some of the misconceptions that the West has about Russian football. <laughs> Yes, but this is not the first time this is happening. Unfortunately, that happens with all <clears throat> clubs with very strong fan groups. And um, for some reason, I don't know uh, the nature of this. Well, I don't know for sure. I have my guesses why uh, the nature of this happens. But the, uh, the the management of the clubs, they're being very, very careful and very, very, well, I shouldn't say the word respectful, but they are cautious with criticizing their own fan, uh, fan clubs. And Zenit has a massive uh, fan club. That's Lance Corner Crew or whatever how they called they are very very powerful they are the you know they they really fill fill up the virage and uh, they really represent the support uh, the visual and the audio support for the club so for some reason and that's not only the neat case uh, there are a few other clubs who really like you know when something like that happens the clubs don't really put out a straight statement they try, they try to sugarcoat it they try to cut the corners and make it uh, sound like oh it's not not a big deal it's nothing Really happening. Um, unfortunately, that's not not the first time happening. The banner, in my opinion, was absolutely clear cut. It was a sarcastic banner um, referring to that letter and referring to Malcolm transfer. But really, if you read it, if you read it as 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 the banner was, there's no there's no really you know out front like um, statement like racist statement. But obviously, everyone knows that was a sarcasm pointed at at Malcolm. With Which is, yeah, that letter I just, because of that came up, I re re revisited that letter which they put out, which is an absolutely disgusting piece of, uh, I don't even know how to call this piece of information or whatever the statement they have. Absolutely disgusting and, um, yeah, nothing really to be proud about of this because, again, this, uh, this came up. There was also like, you know, the, it's not even funny, but like, uh, people were saying they're trying to, um, um, The when Zenit presents the player who, let's for example, Malcolm Mossar, uh, another black player, uh, they found that they make the picture which they post, let's say, like a player with the uh, with the with the shirt lighter, like the actual the the, the website, like the the Zenit Zenit press press. They make they make the meaning they put the effect, like you know you put an effect on Instagram page, but you make the lighter. So this is just like see it's. The club is buying a good player, but they're still trying to kind of, you know, go along and like not to upset their, uh, uh, racist fans, which is to me is, 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 is incorrect. So not the most pleasant story, unfortunately. And again, it's Zenith fans who has, has been known for that. And, um, yeah, but at the same time, I agree with both of you that I think this story was, has been a little bit more exaggerated than it actually, uh, was because really like the way it was reported. And in, in the West, it, it seems like it was really, there was hate towards Malcolm. But to be honest, like Malcolm was very, very welcome at, at, um, the whole stadium clapped at him and he was really, really well supported when he had his debut for, for Zinit. So, uh, not, not an easy story to talk about, uh, really. But, uh, unfortunately that happened. Yeah. Maybe to, to give my final thoughts on this, that, uh, I feel like we've been, 
talking about racism in Russian football, at least on the football grad network ever since its existence. Um, the Lance Krona incident, one of the first articles that we ever published, of course, and, um, it seems like almost impossible to, to break that particular fan group and change its behavior. It seems to be, um, almost impossible, um, because of, of the, the power that they have. Um, in terms of the support that they great, create for Sunit, um, for anyone who's ever been to Sunit, to a Sunit game, whether it be at the old Petrovsky or at the new stadium, the Gazprom Arena, um, you will likely find that this is the best supported club in Russia in terms of the noise created, in terms of the chance. Um, it's a fan group that can give you the chills and goosebumps, right? Then unfortunately you have the very dark side to this club, um, which is the apparent racism, this uh, clinging on to supposed traditions, um, this idea that they defend themselves by saying, well, Atletico Bilbao does it, for example, right, by only signing players from uh, the Basque country. Of course, Atletico Bilbao includes black players in that selection criteria as long as they are born in the Basque country and a part of their own youth academy. So not quite as clear cut as Sinead fans like to make it out to be. So it's, it's such a really difficult topic. Um, I think we have an article back from 2014 on the homepage that describes Sinead as the most racist club in the world. And, um, I mean, it's hard to defend racism when I won't in any matter, but it's, um, it's not maybe necessarily quite that clear either because these are people that grow up in a sense of tradition that they perceive as being very real. And whether that's right or not, um, I personally think is wrong. Traditions, um, are most, most of the time traditions are created. They're fake. They're not real. They don't exist. They only exist in our minds. So if you think something is traditional, um, that usually means you're, cons you're conserving something that isn't really practical or realistic or even something that is real or perceived by most people around you. So I think it's it's a very odd sense of protection. And it, it kind of encapsulates St. Petersburg in some ways to me because it's a very Western-thinking city. It's probably the most hipster city in, in all of Russia, but in some ways it's also the most conservative city, um, a very inward, self, self-absorbing self city. And uh, maybe Landskrona and Zenit and the city deserve each other in some ways, but it's kind of too bad because we should be all actually celebrating the fact that Zenit signed Markham an exciting, flashy player who is going to probably bring something to this league that we haven't seen since Hulk left and Witzel left. And um, yeah, really too bad that this is now being overshadowed by a fan group clinging on to fake traditions. Um, that's my final piece on on this particular topic. Because I want to move on and talk about, um, you know, not only Sinead signing exciting players, so another team. Um <laughs> You're not serious, Andrew. You did not put that on the document, did you? I'm, I'm just going to. Oh, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Um... <laughs> I have all the details ready. If you want me to explain to our listeners the most exciting news ever in football, we're going to go with that first because, uh, Tim, I want to kind of tie your club in with the Europa League, which is our final topic. <laughs> 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 um. So I. I Andrew, is Tumen the region, which is heavy in oil and aluminum and gold, going to take all the money that they generate every year 
and spent on mm-hmm. Neymar? Well, not quite actually. The official offer, and I, 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 I'm not actually joking. There is a an Instagram post that the club have put out from their official account. They're offering to loan Neymar, um, and the reasons they've they've given for it is we can give you an amazing apartment in one of the best areas of Tumen. You won't be in the shadow of Messi and Mbappe. You'll have a free coupon to the Doshirak Barbershop. Um, salary of 10,000 rubles a month. So that's a decent salary and that's okay. Um, you get to play in the strongest league in the world, <laughs> comfortable transportation on Ergeder railways. Uh, and best of all, you get the opportunity to play with Artur Gazdanov. There you go. Now, if Neymar turns that down, then he's just mad. That's and all I can say. Don't you have a position now at that club? Um, I suspect that you put in that bet. I, I am in, I, in no, in no way am I involved in promoting and, and encouraging the positive image of FC Tumen. Uh-huh. I, I am completely impartial in this matter, man. I, I would like to add. Okay. Andrew, could you please clarify free coupon to the barber shop, barber shop called the Shirak? Can you please? Well, it, 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 this is the thing. It's, it's actually not one of the best men's barber shops. They could have picked a much better one, like Chop Chop. Or, um, yeah, like that's the best ones in the city. Um, but actually, seriously though, if they, if Chumen signed Neymar, I'm not entirely sure he would get him aside because Evgeny Ragulkin has been on absolute fire. Gazdanov <laughs> scored three goals already this season. They are our wingers. And, and, and that's even before you consider that Daniel Karpov, um, has been sent to the reserves for the last three games for poor attitude. So I don't know if Neymar would make for side, to be honest. <laughs> oh, Andrew, this is this uh, is crazy. Wait, wait, speechless. why are you guys laughing? I don't understand. What's funny about this? It's a serious business. <laughs> Ten thousand ruble salary. I'm sure Neymar will be really into that. I'm pretty sure he will insist on chop chop though as the store that cuts his hair. But you want to go on with a low bit first, right? So, so you have room for negotiations. Um, right. yeah, I, I guess we all needed a little bit of humor after a very serious topic. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think before you've gone, before you, sh- before you try to sign someone like Neymar, you should have gone for more reasonable targets. Yeah. Andrew, like Andre Schurle, Till, nice. or Larson, right? Those are the kind of players that, that, that do make the move to Russia these days. But I guess Tumen just could not compete with Spartak Moscow, right, Tim? Um, <laughs> very, very busy couple of days for you. Um, surely we all, we announced live on the last podcast on loan from, um, Borussia Dortmund. An interesting move for sure. Then they signed from Archie Alkmaar, a young, talented Dutch attacking midfielder. Now that's bringing back memories of Quincy Promise, isn't it? Gustiel exactly. coming from Alkmaar. And, um, they signed the son of one of my favorite players, um, of all time, Jordan Larson, the son of Henrik Larson. Nice. Yeah. How do you know you get old, man? Is when, <laughs> when the sons of your former, of your former favorite players are starting to play in the league. That's when you realize, you know, you, you getting, you getting up there. Um, I'm probably retirement age in terms of soccer myself now, especially with the, the, the various issues on ankles and knees. But, um, Tim, I'm looking at your side right now, right? And I'm seeing, bear with me here. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine forwards. <laughs> yeah, attacking players. Yeah. yeah, and I'm only seeing one, two, three, four, five, six midfielders. Yeah, that because yeah, some of those obviously forwards can play midfielders and depends on the on the tactical situation, and then also that uh, Spartaco because we sold Fernando uh, to China. Now we um, in 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 um, market for a new. Uh, defensive middle fielder, or like the player could handle, could, could hand, handle the, the ball and pretty much, um, rule the game. So there will be one more, most likely, um, player added. Uh, they're talking about Kral from Slavia Prague, who, you know, we saw in Europa League last year, uh, but he's one, just one of the candidates. But, uh, to summarize, yeah, we got, uh, Shirley Thiel and Larson joined Partak last week, uh, in the last game against Dynamo Moscow in the oldest uh, Russian derby, only surely came on, and uh, Spartak, um, got a red card in, on the 30th minute. Our new, another signing, an Argentinian playing called Ponce. He pretty much destroyed <laughs> the uh, rib cage of uh, Dynamo's goalkeeper Anton Shunin, and he was shown a well-deserved red card because he pretty much, he went uh, with his straight leg into the um, chest of uh, Dynamo's player, uh, he apologized and he was very, very apologetic and he saw that he didn't see the player and you can kind of see that. But regardless of that, it was very, very dirty foul and he was shown a rent card. So Spartak lost their striker and Andre Schul, who was supposed to play only 20 minutes, came on and played the whole second half and he was phenomenal. He didn't really do anything much, which was very impressive, but you can see his skill, his like level, it's above everyone who is uh, who was on the field. Like I said, he didn't really do much because he was really, he was out of shape and he's not really in the best physical condition and he had to play 20 minutes more than he was supposed to. But I was super, super impressed because like a few little things he'd done, everything was done so straight, so fast, uh, so attacking. You can just see like when he gets the uh, the top form, he um, he will be a leader of the team, and he was very, very, very welcomed by the fans. He really enjoys uh, Moscow. His uh, wife is from Kazakhstan, so she obviously speaks Russian, and, and uh, um, so yeah, he feels like he, he feels like already like he is home. Two other players we haven't seen: Gustil, who Spartak spent eighty million dollars, and I think that all the bonuses it could go up to twenty million, which is a lot of money, almost Maximilian. Philip money, but apparently he's a super, super talented. And like you said, Larson, Jordan Larson, again, a player who succeeded in a Swedish league, is, is, is the, one of the new strikers. So what's happening? Spartak went through a massive, massive rebuild, sold lots of players and bought lots of players. So the team is in the rebuild. And, um, it's interesting what, uh, what will happen. Yeah. Kononov, of course, he, he is, a uh a coach who likes to play attacking football. Remember we, last week we we talked about how we didn't feel that this necessarily was a side mm -hmm. um, to play the right football. Do you think they're moving towards the right direction in that sense? Um, the position of Kononov is very, very, very uh, not stable. Uh, he doesn't have any support from the fans. The fans yeah. are asking for him to be sacked. And there's very significant rumors that Spartak already has the next coach, whose name is Stanislav Cherchesov, who supposed to join Spartak after Euro 2020. Mm. Depends how Russia will do there. This is pretty much it. It's not even the secret because Stanislav Cherchesov goes to pretty much every Spartak home games and he sits in the same uh, 
key area with uh, Lenny Fidum, and Lenny Fidum said a few times that he wants uh, Stanislav Chichesov to be the next coach. But right now, um, pretty much there will, will be no like the, the 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 management doesn't really want to make any significant changes because they can't really find a coach who will be interim for pretty much the whole season. Yeah. If the if thing with Stanislav Chichesov is appears to be true, then most likely Kononov, who is, like I said, super, very, very unpopular with the fans, uh, will probably remain until the end of the season, and then uh, there will be the changes. So, it's you're right, it, it is Kononov who plays uh, attacking football, and those players all fit his style. Uh, but again, that's I don't think it's a long-term solution in terms of the coach. The, the coach will be different, most likely, uh, come next summer. Interesting one, but of course we have to stay with this summer. And Andrew, you did the preview on Spartak's game on Thursday in the Europa League against Tim, Swiss side. Huh? Yeah. I know you have a soft spots for Switzerland. In, oh, you lived there, you played there. Um, Andrew, your thoughts, uh, the Swiss league is through three match days in, so similar to Russia. Um, there's two teams that are already fully, you know, fully in the match schedule, so to say. Um, this will be not a, you know, some of the Europa League matches feel like preseason games because as I mentioned with Frankfurt, for example, them being in a preseason, this will be a full on, um, clash between two teams that are fully in the season already. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very good point, actually, because a lot of, a lot of European leagues, not just between Russia and others, but within Central and, and Western Europe, start their leagues at different times. So it's good to see, I think, um, I much prefer to see a qualify when teams are roughly at the same stage, because then you can actually judge the results and the performance accordingly. Um, it, it's interesting, really. I mean, Spartak are going through, well, let's say, significant changes at the moment. Um, and you'd like Tim's mentioned, there's uncertainty around the manager. And it, it's it's confusing, to say the least. Toon themselves have significant problems. They they have a relatively normal-sized squad, except almost half of them are injured. Um, they even had to play a 17-year-old at the weekend, his first ever start in professional football against um, against Basel. Uh, so, I mean, the Swiss League is a strange league, really. Um, the young boys and Basel are so far ahead of everybody else. Um, there's only, what, 10 teams in the league and only three teams have a positive goal difference. And so it's hard to judge how good FC Toon actually are. Um, yeah. And away from home, you'd imagine Kononov will be conservative, but it, it's, I, I just, I honestly, I genuinely don't know. I had to go for a draw as my prediction for this game, but it's, um, it could, it could offer Kononov some respite if he gets his setup and tactics right here. The Swiss League is an interesting league overall, I think, Andrew. And you're quite right. It is young boys and Basel are, are serious teams. They're very, very good teams. But um, we get a lot of players from the Swiss League in Germany because it's kind of like our farm farm league, right? Both Austria and uh, mm. Swiss Leagues because, of course, once you played in one of those two leagues, it's very integrate, very easy to integrate you into a Bundesliga side because of the culture, the food, the language, and all that is very similar, right? Um, so that, that's a very, very interesting point that you're making. And you're quite right. Uh, I think personally, I like Swiss, Swiss football. I think for, if you consider the size of the country and the, the player development, what's going on there, it's quite good. But then at the same time, yeah, um, you get, you get teams like Sion, Tune, St. Gallen, uh, Zurich that used mm -hmm. to be a very big club, right? You never really know 
what you get and they're all kind of like little bit mixed baskets and the, the, the difference between a team being a Europa League contender and a relegation candidate is very small because of the size of the league. And then, yeah, I counted the injured players on uh, Toon's roster, the 10 injured players right now. You know, yeah, that's, that's a significant portion. Um, really curious to see how that game is, is gonna go on Thursday in first leg in tune. Tim, that's good news, you know, because, um, you always want to play that second leg at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, getting the away goal is, uh, will be important. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, especially the news about the injured player, you know, I looked at, the roster of uh, Setun and I tried to follow Swiss football a little bit. I don't think I knew anyone. Yeah. They, some of them, so like, it's, yeah, doesn't look like this is like, again, like the world beaters, but as we saw, you know, the Arsenal was out of Nifchi and Spartak, like I said, since the beginning of the season, have, haven't been in a brilliant form, so I don't think it's a done deal. So I'm actually not surprised that Andrew's prediction on the tie uh, could be a tie, and then I think everything will be solved in Moscow. Yeah, next leg potentially against Eintracht Frankfurt. Next round. The winner of this could potentially be Eintracht Frankfurt. Both of, of course, we won't hope, we don't hope that that's going to be because we would like both sides in the group stage, right? So, um, fingers crossed that the draw is going to come up with something a little bit different. Um, but we'll find out, I guess, two weeks from now. Um, the, this, this qualification stage is very compact. Um, we're, we're finishing up the third round next week and then they're going straight into the playoffs the week after. So there has a lot of European football already being played, um, across the football ground network. And that, that pretty much brings us to the conclusion because, um, before I go, I want to get our listeners, um, into, um, or point them towards the, the previews that are already up or going to be up by the time this podcast comes up because there's two more that I have to do today. Uh, Andrew was more efficient than I was. He has his finished. Um, m- m- yeah, I know. Usually it's the other way around, isn't it, Andrew? <laughs> so yeah, those are. <laughs> I can't deny that. <laughs> so those are on footballgrad.com, boostbook.com, at footballgrad live. But before I go, um, Tim, what do you have to, um, you know, where do you want to point our listeners to? Any interesting rocket from rocket oh. festivals, etc.? No, I'm still recovering. Yeah, that was too much uh, of a, a uh, too much work of the festival. Now I'm just doing absolutely nothing, enjoying the summer, enjoying the new job, and um, yeah, so I'm not doing anything for a little bit, taking a break and really taking time to myself. But uh, people can follow me on Instagram, Rocket from Russia, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Russian Tim sixty one. I'm retweeting lots of stuff about Spartak Moscow. Excellent stuff. And Andrew, I already mentioned, uh, yeah, you finished your previews ahead of schedule, ahead of time. Uh, what else is going on? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll getting into the previews is, is going to be a regular thing that I'll be doing, but I'll also have my next installment of my lower league travels, um, covering FC Tumen. It's, it's been a very busy period. We've had two cup games already. Um, and, uh, I'll probably, Probably get the next one out sometime next week when the fixture list calms down a little bit. So, yeah, I'm focusing heavily on that. Um, so, yeah, if you fancy a dip into FC Tumen, the world of the PFL third tier, then uh, keep your eyes peeled on footballground.com. The next installment's up soon. Yeah, and no, I, I, people really should follow it. It's, it's some fantastic reading and 
Um, an int very interesting project. So yeah, uh, keep yeah. get get yeah, in touch with Andrew. Post post about Novatroisk was very interesting, yeah. uh, Andrew. So great job. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, keep um, up with. It's, it's it's very. It's my my plan basically is not just to focus on the football. And I think I hope a lot of people would be interested to see another side of Russia, not just the big cities and the big clubs. So um, life goes on elsewhere as well. That's on Andrew's Twitter account, and you we also of course everything he does. Uh, retweeted at football grad live um yeah and that's where you can find most of my work as well um i had a quick trip to germany last weekend so you can go back to at football grad live see of some of the stuff that i've done there or you can follow me directly at manual of f um already mentioned it europa league previews uh out uh bundesliga german cup coming back this this week weekend so previews on that will be out soon too and um yeah um there's an interview that i did with lothar Matthäus over on prosoccerusa.com and i've also done a transfer update uh, everlasting transfer saga on leroy sunny over on forbes.com so yeah those two things can be found on my twitter account at manual well guys that's it until next week das wird dann hier. Love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.